You are listening to the Missio Tempe podcast. We are a church of missional communities, living as a family of missionary servants for the good of our city. For more information about our church, visit missiotempe.com. We hope this teaching encourages and challenges you to faithfully take up your role in the Missio Day. So it's Monday night. If you have kids, you've put your kids down. You uh, get ready for bed. You put on your pajamas if you're that kind of person, or you just wear your clothes to bed. Maybe you're that kind of person too. You get into bed, you pull the sheets back, you're getting ready to, to fall asleep, and you reach for your phone that you have on your side table. You pick up your phone and say, you know what, just for a couple of minutes before bed, I'm just going to scroll through Instagram and just just see what happened throughout the day. I know I've already been on there a couple of hours and I went over my screen time limit. I'm going to dismiss that notification. I'm just going to keep going. So use the most powerful tool you have in the modern world, your thumb, and you begin to scroll through Instagram. The first picture you see is of a family that you know that just went on a really nice vacation. They went on this volcano hike and it was amazing and all of a sudden you're starting to feel envious because you haven't gone on a vacation in a long time and you're just stuck at home changing diapers and doing really ordinary things. Okay, you keep scrolling, get to the next picture. This time it's someone, uh, one of your really close friends had a New Year's Eve party. And uh, when you uh, see this picture, you all of a sudden feel really lonely because you didn't get invited. And you thought you were really good friends, and now you weren't invited. So now you're feeling lonely and left out. You continue to scroll. You're like, you know what, I'm just going to keep scrolling through. The next one you get to is you see one of your close couple friends that, has, uh, that, that went on this amazing date. Like dressed up, they went to a show. And you're like, man, that, my person never takes me on a cool date like that. Jeez. All right, you're done scrolling through the pictures. Now you go over to the Stories tab. You click on that, and now you're looking through those, uh, and you see uh, one of your friend's kid's first birthday. It's their first birthday party, and this party was unreal. They had live animals, a real fire truck, a catered lunch, and all you did for your first kid's birthday was get some Costco pizzas and some pre-made salads, and you're like, geez. Now you're feeling competitive. And not only that, you're feeling competitive. Now you're like slanderous because you're like, that, that's so fake. Like that family, they don't really care about their kid. Like I've seen them parent them before and they just aren't really that great of parents. But now that on Instagram, it looks like they're amazing because they got random bunnies and, and a goat at their birthday party. And then you hit to the next story and it's an algorithm. You know that algorithm ad where you only see the things that you want to see. That's what happens in social media. And it's a highlight. I don't know why this came up for you because it's depressing, but it's a highlight of Giannis last year and the NBA Finals destroying the Suns. And immediately you're overwhelmed with grief and sadness. Okay, you're done with Instagram. You, you get out, you screen out, uh, you push the home button, you're out of the app, and uh, you go to put your phone on the side table. You go to plug it in and you realize something's wrong. It's not charging. This is one of the greatest travesties of the modern world. It's not charging. You only have 15%. So you do what any normal person would do. You say, Alexa, order me a new iPhone charger. The good news is it says it will be there by 5 a.m. the next morning. You're like, 15% I'll get through the night. Oh, you realize you have have to get some aftershave as well because you wanted to shave in the morning. Alexa, order me some aftershave. Well, uh uh-oh, it's going to take 48 hours to get there. Now you're really upset because you're not going to be able to shave in the morning. But at least the charger's going to be there in the morning. So you go to sleep. Alexa, play explosions in the sky, and you fall asleep. 
So you go to sleep, you wake up, you have 1% left, you check your phone, the alarm went off, so thankfully your phone made it through the night. Uh, you hit the alarm button and immediately the phone turns off. Thankfully you walk to the front door, you go outside, the charger is standing behind it, the Amazon person hit it behind your front chairs because they're really smart and they know that people steal your stuff. And so you grab that, you plug your phone in and you notice you have five news notifications that just popped up. Five news notifications from whatever your news app is. You can pick which one you'd like. The first one says, yesterday in a drone strike, 25 people were killed in Syria. Swipe left, dismiss. Today, New York City is reporting 500,000 new COVID cases from the new variant Omicron. Swipe left, dismiss. The next one says, oh, here's a, here's a story of a Tennessee school board fight over a mask policy that now people are fighting and parents are yelling at each other because some want masks and some don't. Swipe left, dismiss. Next one, new report says that in 10 years, because of global warming, Florida will be underwater. Swipe left, dismiss. You just keep going through. Last one, uh, last night, President Biden did a speech in Chicago and it looks like he forgot the, the mayor's name as he was introducing her. Now that's entertaining, click on that one. You click, you begin to watch for five minutes. That's not enough, you watch the video, then you go through the comments and you're seeing now all the crazy comments going on. Now you just spend another hour. It's 7.30, you gotta get ready for work, you find your little office you made at home, you pull up in your computer, your day has begun. You've made it. All of us are being formed all of the time. It's not if formation is happening, but what kind. Here's what I want you to do. I want you to turn to some people around you. That's a silly story that doesn't relate to your life at all. You don't do any of those things. That's just me, all right? That's, that, that's me, that's not you. But if you were just to put yourself in the shoes of that person, how are they being formed? How are they being formed by that simple story over those 16 hours or, or so, whatever it was? What kind of things are forming in them? Turn to some people around you, let's talk about it, and then we'll gather you back together. Ready, set, go. I've given you too little time, but hopefully at least somebody had something insightful to share in your group about how you're being formed through this story. Let me hear from you. Just shout it out. What's a way that this person, this hypothetical, not you, not me, this person out there in the world is being formed? What's, what's happening in them as they live this, this liturgy of theirs? Someone said something over here? Jealousy and selfishness, yeah. So even through uh, like a social media lens, like it could cultivate in us a sense of jealousy or or even envy, selfishness, yeah, really good. Yeah, Ryan. Ryan saying that they're being formed by noise. It's like he was reading my sermon this week. That's gonna be later, that's good, man. Yeah, formed by noise, there's all this noise going on. They're just taking in and then doing stuff with, yeah, over here, Taylor. Oh my goodness. Yeah, discontentment turns into numbness. Like think about those news notifications, like those are serious, some of those are serious stories. But we get hit with that stuff all day that we just swipe left, swipe right, dismiss, ignore. And what it does is it disengages us from the actual real issues and challenges of where we're at locally as a people. We get stuck in this thing that happened out there instead of missing what's happening right here in front of us. Chris, yeah, yeah. The phone is the parent. It's putting, yeah, the person to sleep. So good. I mean, not good, but you know what I mean? David, 
Yeah, there's only negative stories often that you hear. It's built on like hijacking your amygdala to make you fearful, right? Oh, I gotta click on that because it's either entertaining or it's gonna stoke fear. Yeah. Yeah, it's becoming a lens in which you live your everyday life. You guys, you guys are so good. Hannah, do you have your hand up? Or are you just blocking the sun? She's praising over here. What's going on? Not enough. That's the, the great lie of a, a consumer world is never enough. I've been forming that stuff all day. All day. The question really is not, like I said earlier, if we are being formed, but what we are being formed by. Maybe another way to put it, not if we're being formed, but who we are being formed by, who we're being formed by. And over the next couple of weeks, we want to talk about formation, as Sarah mentioned. And last week, if you weren't with us, we talked about the story that we live in, that we're participators in the story in the midst of the many cultural currents that are competing with this story that we're trying to navigate. For the next three weeks, we're going to answer the question of how do we live into that story? Being formed by God, that's this week, together next week for the sake of others a couple of weeks from now. Formed by God together for the sake of others. Who is forming us? God is the one forming us. That's our hope, at least, that God would be forming us and shaping us. If you have a Bible with you, we're going to look at one passage over the next three weeks. It's a familiar passage maybe for some of you, maybe some of you not as much. It's in 1 Peter. It's in the back of your Bible. 1 Peter 2, verses 9 through 12. 1 Peter 2, verses 9 through 12. We're going to be looking at this passage over the next three weeks. As we read through this passage, I want you to answer the question of, who is God forming his people to be? There's a ton of identity markers in this passage. Who is God forming his people to be? 1 Peter 2, 9 through 12. Let me read this to you. 1 Peter 2, 9 through 12. But you are a chosen people, a royal priesthood, a holy nation, God's special possession that you may declare the praises of him who called you out of darkness into his wonderful light. Once you were not a people, but now you are the people of God. Once you had not received mercy, but now you have received mercy. Dear friends, I urge you as foreigners and exiles to abstain from sinful desires which wage war against your soul. Live such good lives among the pagans that though they accuse you of doing wrong, they may see your good deeds and glorify God on the day he visits us. Let me turn, have you turned again to those, the people that you were just with? What are some of the identity markers of how God is forming his people here? What words, what, what comes to mind as you read this passage of how God is forming his people in his story. Ready, set, go. First Peter is such a rich letter that the Apostle Peter is writing to churches scattered across the empire, living as foreigners and exiles in the midst of a culture with other stories and narratives and gods at play. And Peter's trying to remind them here of who they are and how God has formed them. Listen to these words as you saw. They're a chosen people, a royal priesthood, a holy nation. These are words that would have been used with Israel and their identity in God's story. And now here with the people of God, a royal priesthood, a priestly people mediating on behalf of the world, God's presence, like the priests would do. A holy nation set apart in the way of life, not for themselves, but for the sake of others, just like God. God's special possession, 
God put aside his people, again, not just so they can have this, uh, this relationship where nobody else is welcomed in, but so that together they could partner to see the world encounter who God is and what he's like. They were not a people. This is a phrase from Hosea, which we'll look at next week. Once you were not a people, but now you are the people of God. You had not received mercy, but now you have received mercy. So in light of this identity, live this way. Abstain from these desires, abstain from these disordered desires that form us into the ways of the world, into the gods of our age, and be formed into this story that you've been invited in as a chosen, holy, priestly people of God. That's who God's people are. That's how we're being formed by God. But I don't know about you, but when I look at these words, what really strikes me is when I see this identity of the church and then I look at my own life, I see this giant gap. I know who I am and what Christ has done on my behalf and how he's called me to himself. I know what my identity is, but then when I look at my life in the day-to-day experiences, there's this, this huge gap between who I am and how I actually am living. And the question for us is how do we close the gap? How does God form in us to close the gap between who we are in Christ and our experiences from day to day and our desires from day to day? The word for that is simply spiritual formation. That's what it means to be, to be spiritually formed is to close the gap between who we are in Christ and what our habits and practices are from day to day. Kevin Platt, who's the pastor at Missio Mesa, he has a really good spiritual formation definition. Let me give that to you this morning and, and uh, that will kind of frame even the next couple of weeks. He says this, spiritual formation is the journey of continually responding to the reality of God's grace, shaping us into the likeness of Jesus through the power of the Holy Spirit in the community of faith for the sake of the world. Let me read it one more time. Spiritual formation is the journey of continually responding to the reality of God's grace, shaping us into the likeness of Jesus through the power of the Holy Spirit in the community of faith for the purpose and for the sake of the world. I just wanna highlight three things from this definition that go against the formation story we told earlier of the person scrolling through Instagram and Amazon and Alexa and all the goods. It's a journey. A journey doesn't happen overnight. It's not Amazon Prime status where within 12 hours you can get whatever item you would possibly want. A journey takes time. Spiritual formation is a long, arduous journey. It's a slow cooker, not an instant pot. We're being formed into the likeness of Jesus. The likeness of Jesus, not into the likeness of maybe the influencer or the personality that we follow online or the news anchor. We're being formed into the likeness of Jesus to model our lives after him and what he's like. And then lastly, it's for the sake of the world. Formation is for the sake of neighbor. Think about those news story notifications that you get and easily you just dismiss them. You become disengaged from the problems of the world, disengaged locally in the dirt and the ground that God has placed you in and the real people's lives that you have in front of you as you get stuck in some national argument, forgetting that God has placed you in this time and place to be a faithful presence wherever he has called you. Notice how different this definition of formation is versus the formation that was happening earlier in the story that I told. 
each week I've been trying to give us a challenge of what it looks like to respond. Last week, the challenge was we do a really good job as a community demonstrating the gospel to others, but we could grow in declaring winsomely, prophetically, and to the heart who Jesus is and how he comes to intersect in the different stories of our day and offer hope and healing. And our challenge was for us to, to do that regularly this year in our relationships. This year, the challenge is twofold. The first part is this. Uh, most of you have an iPhone. If you don't, sorry, you're gonna maybe feel left out for a moment and that's okay. You can play along for just a second. But if you have an iPhone, the new iOS that just, uh, just got updated or whatever, if you've done that yet, or you're like one of those adopt, uh, people that like don't do that because you're like sticking it to the man. Well, sorry, they're gonna turn your iPhone off eventually anyways if you don't switch over. That happened to me a couple years ago. Anyways, so the new notification has that focus feature or the iOS has that focus feature, and now you can like do your notifications where they're silenced. Can I just tell you how offensive it is when I try to text one of you, and it says, Kenny Marslander has his notification silenced. Gosh, I'm trying to get a hold of you, and it says it's, and then it gives you the button, notify anyway, then I feel bad, because maybe he's like trying to like take seriously noise and stuff like we talked about. I think it's so ironic that, I've, that Apple is creating this feature, although at the same time want to monopolize your eyeballs onto their devices. It's, it's, a, it's a paradox. But I think what they're trying to, to hint at, which they get, which is a creational norm, is that we live in a distracted, noisy world. And please hear this as we talk about formation. Noise is the enemy of hearing from God, encountering his presence, and caring for neighbor. It is the enemy. It distracts us from being present from where we're at in our relationships with those that we're seeking to love and care for. Noise is the enemy. And so this week, my first part of the challenge is for you just to do a noise audit of your life, to think about the places and the voices that you're listening to and decide what are those voices in, in the year 2022 that you're gonna actually put aside to create some margin in your life for God to actually speak. Like I have this habit, I'll speak for myself, where I can go from a conversation with somebody, get in my car, turn on a podcast, listen to that podcast all the way through to my next conversation, have that conversation, get back in the car, listen to the end of that podcast, switch over to AM 910, hear what Colin Callard's saying about whatever sports story is coming on, then come back to the podcast and then come back to my house, end of day. The whole day somebody is talking to me. I'm distracted. Maybe good stuff. The podcast I'm listening to, I'm trying to learn something. That's kind of my thing. I'm not just listening to some comedy or something like that. I'm trying to like grow or whatever, but it's noisy. I'm distracted. What about for you? Where can you this week take a noise out of your life and say, you know what? I'm going to create some more margins. So I actually hear from God because noise is the enemy of hearing and encountering God. Second part, once you create that margin in your life of trying to remove some of the noise and how it's shaping and forming you, I would love for you to take that margin and build your life this year around three practices that you're familiar with. Three simple practices. Listening to God through scripture, a practice and a habit of listening to God in the scripture. Join our reading plan or, or do, what are your, do the Bible Project app, whatever it is. Encountering God through prayer. Hearing God's voice through prayer. What does God have to say to me and how might I develop this relationship with him where we're having this ongoing conversation? And then lastly, enjoying God through Sabbath. Scripture, 
prayer, and Sabbath. What would it look like in 2022 for you to build your life around those three rhythms and habits? This morning, I'm gonna have three different women, all starting with the letter S. I I didn't do that on purpose, but it works really well for pastor alliteration. But I'm gonna have Sarah, Sandy, and Stephanie share just for a couple minutes each on how they have developed a practice of scripture, prayer, and Sabbath. They're not coming up here to give you all the answers of how great they are. They'll tell you that firsthand. But it helps us when we get an insight into somebody else's life who maybe has learned a thing or two in one of these areas to actually then shape us as God's people in our own practices for this year or maybe to refine our practices that we're already doing. So I'm gonna invite Sarah to come up first and then Sarah will pass the mic to Sandy and then Sandy will pass it to Stephanie. I feel like y'all can go ahead and come up here because this is going to be super short and sweet. But um, I did want to start off with saying I had a lot of examples growing up of people that really loved scripture and that people that I could tell from their lives chose to follow Jesus and and, um, really valued his word. And um, one of the big things that, um, that really stuck out to me was they would several of these women, mostly women, but men too, um, would just pray that the scripture was sweet to them. And um, you probably have heard before the the psalm that says um, his word is like sweet as honey, sweeter than the honeycomb. And um, that is a prayer that I've had probably since high school that scripture would be sweet to me and that I would want to ingest it and want to... Uh, Scripture is also a lot throughout scripture. Or, yeah, scripture is referred to a lot in scripture as food, as a way of um, whether it's honey or other, it's just food in general, bread, um, it's like ingesting it and, and feeding, literally feeding our hearts and our bodies and our minds. Um, and so I just want to throw that out there. Um, maybe that could be a practice that you ask Jesus that scripture would be really sweet to you and that you want to continue to ingest it. That's kind of a weird word, but like ingest it each morning or each day. Um, Another thing that I wanted to point out is that uh, when I first started reading scripture, I had a lot of helps. So like I started with like a study Bible and then Bible project came online and then I was in seminary, so I had like a lot of classes on understanding scripture. And that's a part of it is uh, knowing what you're reading and knowing what the Bible is trying to tell you. Uh, We have a a great help in our language of missio of like understanding the Bible as story. And that was a huge thing for me in the journey of of learning about scripture. Um, And it helped scripture come alive to me. Um, So don't be afraid to use those helps um, as you read. And then another, another thing is that I started needing, like I over, like this is a year's, year's, 15 years worth of process, but I started like needing scripture every morning. Um, and that I just didn't, I didn't want to start my day without it. And so it was literally the first thing that I do every morning besides coffee. That's really the first thing. Um, it's I get my cup of coffee and I get my Bible. Um, but I, I literally needed it every morning. Um, and it's been weird practice because now we have a, a little one at home and, sometimes he's the first thing that wakes me up in the morning and then I'm like really disoriented throughout the day. Um, but 
just like making a plan and, uh, and following that plan. And I want to end with this. I don't normally have like mountaintop experiences of like, oh, Jesus really revealed this like super big thing to me this morning. I mean, sometimes yes. And, and I praise Jesus for those moments, but it's, it's not this like, oh, if I'm not experiencing this like mountaintop experience and I did it wrong, it's the everyday practice um, and that I know that it's forming me and that I, every time I'm reading it, whether I think it's forming me, whether I feel that it's forming me or not, um, it is forming your head and your heart. And I just want to encourage you to do that because it does form you, even when you might not feel like it's forming you. So when Charlie was handing out subjects, I was really bummed that I didn't get scripture, but we would have missed out on that. But because I killed it reading scripture last year, which is not normal for me. And I did not kill it in my prayer life last year. And so um, as I was thinking about it, I was like, well, actually, you guys can probably learn more from my, from my failure than you can learn from my success. So um, I think that over the last year and a half or so, I had last year had... Um, been doing a lot of supplication prayer, praying a ton for people, um, fasting and praying and all of that, and then um, not getting a lot of answer to prayer. Not my answer to prayer, not the way I wanted my prayers to be answered. And I think in that I kind of started getting this, ah, God's going to do what he wants to do. So who cares? Like, I think losing faith, uh, not seeing the best in God, in his character. And so um, probably, I'm going to say around October, I kept having these pangs of like, kind of miss my best friend. I'd feel this sense of loneliness and think, I got to call somebody. And then I was like, I'm missing God. I'm missing my best friend. I'm missing that fellowship with him. And so I started reassessing um, where my prayer life was and looking back at scripture and God's character and reading who he is. And so really realizing that prayer is about relationship. It's about relationship with God, just like anybody else, right? And so understanding that person, thinking the best of them. Um, so I had a good amount of time of confession and um, declaring to God again who I knew he was, who I believed he was in scripture, and um, and decided to, to restart my prayer life, some new habits, um, some different habits than I've done in the past. Just like, again, in a relationship, freshen things up, figure out. The good news is with God, he's always the one that's right. Whereas with David, you know, I can kind of <laughs> fudge it. <laughs> right. But um, so I, I started making some new habits and um, realizing again, that first thing in the morning, like, um, so what I do now, what I've been doing for the last few months is waking up in the morning and before I even open my eyes, just acknowledging his presence and just my gratefulness that he's there, that he's with me. Um, don't pick up a phone. Don't look at, you know, whatever's happening on the bed beside me. But to just really sit in his presence and be grateful. Um, then the next thing I do is I have started praying for myself, which is not something I've ever done in my life. I've started saying, God, help me today to honor you, to be a better servant, to be kind-hearted, give me wisdom um, in the things that I do. And so that's just my literal first 
flash every morning. And I think what it does is it sets my day up then to be aware that he's with me, to be aware of his presence, um, to be, I guess, formed by that, to, to like literally picture him by my side when I go into something. Um, then when I do get to my emails and my texts and all of that, that start involving other people, um, I feel like then I'm much more quick to be living in prayer for those people. So I don't tell somebody, oh, I'll pray for you about that. I actually either pray with them right away or I pray for them immediately. So popcorn prayers kind of all day long where I'm just breathing in and out prayer um, for the people that I care about. And so I have this pet peeve, like that when we talk about prayer requests that we like repeat to God what that person said, like they didn't hear that God didn't hear it. So that's just my little thing. But I'm like, so if, if say I'm talking to my friend, Rachel, who just told me her husband has cancer, um, that I am immediately going, God, that makes me so sad. You heard, you know, like acknowledging that he was there. He heard the conversation, like give them peace, give the doctors wisdom. So living like that all day long, whatever, if I see something or hear something news wise, God, would you give the, these leaders wisdom? And so that that's a part of my everyday routine is, again, he's right beside me. So when I'm working with clients, praying for them right before they come in, praying with them when they come in. Um, and then another fun, I think fun practice that I've taken up recently is um, like if I'm making dinner or something or just getting things done in the house, I've been putting instrumental hymns on because I really believe that my soul knows the words to the songs. And as I'm doing things, it's like, God, it's just right there with me. And I'm acknowledging who he is because the words are so rich. And so that becomes my Thanksgiving and praise time of just like, go ahead, soul, you know what I need. So um, I think another important thing is to acknowledge God as Father, Son, and Spirit in our prayers. And I don't think we do that. So. Um, if I'm really hurting, I will like kneel down. I think prayer posture is important too, but I'll kneel down and put my head like on an ottoman and just allow God to comfort me and picture him with his arms over me, comforting me in that time. Um, I think I already told you like Jesus is my first thing in the morning and like, come on brother, we're gonna go do this together. But asking the Holy Spirit all day long, help me, guide me, I can't do this on my own. So. Um, I think those, Stephanie, start moving forward, but those are some of the practices I'm doing to refresh and renew. I'm with you, Sandy. I thought it was um, interesting that Charlie picked me for Sabbath. Uh, if I think there were some ladies here who were at the women's retreat. That was about six months ago. And we did a lot of talking about Sabbath and, oh, I was super excited. I was like, Sabbath time gonna put on my Sabbath dress and I'm gonna turn my phone off and I'm not gonna wear my watch and I'm gonna take a nice bath. I, I was really excited about this one. Take a bath, go all the way under the water, think about my baptism, like all these things. And um, I was really excited about that for a while. I really enjoyed it. I like external things to tell me, hey, Stephanie, you're on the right path. You're doing the right thing. Um, but as time was going on, God was pointing out new and fun and interesting things. And some of that was 
I started leaning into relationships with women who are in various stages of struggle and they would need me on a Sunday, you know, or they would want to talk or like I wanted to invite them, but I couldn't coordinate getting them a ride because I didn't have my phone on, things like that. So that was interesting. And then I heard Charlie mention like Sabbath being for other people, you know, like including other people in your Sabbath. And that was kind of a challenge because my Sabbath was a lot of self-care and, you know, taking some time on the couch and Martin, you got the girls. Um, And then when we were doing the Bible reading and we were reading through Romans and it's like Romans 14, five, and it says, um, every man or um, like something about a man, one man considers each, one man considers one day more important than the others. Another man considers every day alike. Let each one be convinced in their own minds. And so that was sticking in in my head for a while. And um, God really just started to point these things out to me and work on my heart a little bit. So I dropped the external stuff for a while and um, have been considering like what's the counterintuitive action that I can take. Um, So instead of being lazy, which is my natural tendency, what does it look like to love work and love rest? And maybe I need to um, really focus on my relationship with work and working harder so that the rest is sweeter. Um, And then also turning from being so self-centered into looking at others. So now I've started trying to protect a day of rest for Martin instead of for myself as like the first, like, oh, I'm going to make this day for me. But Friday is now Martin's day. So you try to make plans with me. I'm bringing the kids. Um, (laughs) And then just the other thing that's really been stirring in me is when Jesus is talking about like, um, he's talking about the commandments and he's saying it's not enough to to just not kill people, right? You you can't have hatred in your heart. It's not enough to not go sleep with someone's wife. You can't even have lustful thoughts to them. And just thinking about, it's not enough for me to just have these external things. I wanna be a person of rest and, and I want it to flow from within. So I'm excited to enter kind of this new season um, like a slower season, not an immediate rewards, like, oh, I'm doing the right thing because I checked all these things off my list. But uh, what does it look like to be um, so patient with enjoying God's presence that it's overflowing into my life? And uh, and then what rhythms and habits come out of that that I want to protect as a result? So thanks, Charlie. Yeah, round of applause, right on. We listen to God through scripture. We encounter God through prayer and we enjoy God through Sabbath. As you heard these three examples, you don't need to mimic and and do the exact things that these three ladies shared, but I do think what they just shared was really wise and insightful and maybe could shape some of our practices here as we create margin from the noise to then orient our lives around these three simple practices. And the beauty is that we just got to see an insight into the reflection that they're doing 
on their journey of figuring out how does this all make sense and how am I actually encountering God through these practices and not just checking off a box or doing what I think I should do, but no, I'm actually responding to the Holy Spirit's promptings. I want to end with this. On February 4th, uh, we're going to have our first Friday formation, which we're going to have four of these over 2022. And we had sent out a survey this last week and last Sunday, and I got the results back, which were great. And the top two results, surprisingly, but not really, were, hey, thinking through a more transformative reading of scripture and a more rich encounter through prayer. Those are the top two. There are other ones that we'll talk about too as well. And so I was thinking this last couple of weeks, like what would that look like to form us for this first one around those basic practices? And so I've invited Bree Snow. She is the minister. Check out this title. This is pretty cool. She is a minister of formation and catechesis with Christ Anglican Church in Phoenix. She's really awesome. And she is going to equip us on that February 4th through her tradition as an Anglican through some of the rich practices of scripture and prayer. And so I'm going to have an event, right? It's going to go out this week. You can sign up for that. It's going to be a meal. We're going to all bring a dish. Mexican is the theme. And we're going to bring a dish to share. And we will be meeting here at ULC inside. And she will equip us for uh, an hour or so that night around scripture and prayer. And I think we have a lot to learn from her. And she has a lot of thought and insight around formation as God's people. So I'd love for you to be part of that. Um, she's great. I got to spend just a little bit of time with her and I, was, I walked away feeling like this is a person that has something to really teach us and we can learn from. So that's on February 4th. One of the beautiful things that we do each Sunday is we recite the mystery of our faith, which is Christ has died, Christ is risen, and Christ will come again. That comes from uh, a long line of centuries of tradition of the church saying that same three phrases for now hundreds of years. And we join with brothers and sisters, millions across the world this morning and today that recite the same thing, which is the mystery of our faith, that Christ has died, Christ has risen, and Christ will come again. And as we're rooted in that, we come to this table each week, which is an act of formation. The creator God is reforming you through this meal of his body and his blood. And yes, taking it one time, like somebody just mentioned, like Sarah did, might not be the most mysterious, miraculous experience, but over a lifetime of orienting your life around this table and meal as the center of your identity, it forming something deep in you that then uh, rushes over onto others that you interact with. And so I'm gonna invite us to the table here. Let me read these words from 1 Corinthians that Paul has given us. And then I'm gonna invite us to say the mystery of our faith and take from the Lord's table as an act of formation. He says this, on the night that he was betrayed, our Lord Jesus Christ took bread and when he had given thanks, he broke it. And he gave it to his disciples saying, take and eat. This is my body, which is given for you. Do this in remembrance of me. Likewise, after supper, Jesus took the cup and when he had given thanks, he gave it to them saying, drink this, all of you, for this is my blood of the new covenant, which is shed for you and for many, for the forgiveness of sins. Whenever you drink it, do this in remembrance of me. I'm gonna have you stand. Before we come to the table, we're gonna recite this mystery of our faith alongside brothers and sisters across our world, that Christ has died, Christ is risen, and Christ will come again. Let's recite it together. Christ has died, Christ is risen, and Christ will come again. Come and feast with the King.